0: L. Fanboy, Episode 21. Hi everybody, Mario, Francisco, Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 21st edition of the Elf Fanboy Podcast. So today's a big day. Today, one of the comic book kings returns to the screen. Today is opening day for Spider-Man Homecoming, and I got a chance to check that out last night, so right now I'm going to hit you up with my sort of off-the-cuff review of the film. I'm pretty much going to be doing this stream of consciousness. I'm not writing a formal review, and I don't think I'm going to do a video on this one because, I mean, I don't really have time to right now, and by the time I would have time... The movie will have already been out for a weekend and nobody's going to watch that shit. So I'm just going to let you guys know here, my elf fanboy listeners, what I thought of the film. So, by the way, this is going to be a non-spoiler review, so if that's something that concerns you, don't worry. Especially, I know Aaron Varola is busy uh, covering his ears and screaming, la 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 la, to anything spoilery. Uh, don't worry, there will be no spoilers. I'm actually saving that for Tuesday. So uh, just a heads up to all. I'm not going to wait the usual like couple of weeks. I do want to delve into the spoilers on this film, so I'm going to save that for Tuesday's show. For today, though, we're just going to do the, uh, the uh, non-spoiler. So, okay, what did I think of Spider-Man Homecoming? Um, well, okay, it's definitely my favorite Spider-Man movie. I think they really, really finally sort of nailed the Spider-Man that I grew up knowing and loving. I'm absolutely thrilled with Tom Holland as Peter Parker and as Spider-Man. Um, I think this is just, you know, the this Peter Parker is, for me, the perfect depiction of the character. I really hated the Tobey Maguire version. That was like they tried to make him uh, a geeky, stiff, kind of like Christopher Reeve's uh, Clark Kent and then that's not what that's not what Peter Parker is. That's not what he should be. And that always felt like a weird desecration of his, of him. And also in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, I never really got into Andrew Garfield's sort of emo take on the character. This one feels more like the Peter Parker that that I sort of grew up knowing and loving. And and uh... so you know, easily my favorite depiction of Spider-Man. My favorite of all of the previous. Spider-Man films that have come out. Um, You know, I'm going to delve into the negatives first, though, before I really get into what I loved about it, aside from the depiction of the characters. Uh, I found the direction rather pedestrian. I will say that. Uh, I know that Marvel, you know, kind of prides itself on hiring guys who are basically just shooters who don't really have a lot of personality behind the camera and don't really put anything in front of the camera that has any sort of specific style or voice to it. But this one kind of feels especially guilty of that. Uh, the film feels like it could have been directed by anybody. You know, you, you, you I, I have no sense of what kind of filmmaker John Watts is based on Spider-Man Homecoming. Granted, I haven't seen Cop Car. I haven't seen anything else he's done. So maybe he's always just sort of generic and bland but the the direction in this film for me it, it it literally could have been anybody it could have been Kevin Feige directing it himself from an office somewhere because there you know there was no just there was no voice in this movie um and again it's not a bad movie I'm not yeah don't, don't think I'm going down this path because I'm going to say Spider-Man Homecoming sucked I'm just saying the direction was nothing special uh it was just sort of standard Marvel Studios, straightforward aesthetic and pacing and feel. Um... And the one area, though, where I would say that the, 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 the direction is bad is unfortunately during a scene that I think is very, very important for the narrative of the film, you know. And this isn't a spoiler because it's a scene that's been like the centerpiece of several trailers and, you know, it's been used a lot. The, the, the big scene where Peter Parker and Tony Stark have the conversation where Tony basically takes the suit away from him and says, you know, uh, if, you're, if, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have the suit. Um, that scene is very important to the film. And for me, the way it's shot and the way it's edited is so sort of clunky and jarring that it, it sucks the emotion right out of the scene. You almost get the sense that maybe there was a longer, more thoughtful scene in there, but they decided to just go short and sweet on it because they didn't want to like slow the movie down too much. But the problem is, you know, that scene is supposed to propel us into the final act of the film. And we know, based on what we see after it, that it's a huge seminal moment for Peter Parker. And it for me, the way it's shot, it, the direction, it, it just it's sort of betrayed by crappy directing and crappy editing. Um, to kind of give you an example of what I mean... Again, not spoilery. It's just the way the film is, the way that scene is shot. Uh, It's it just bounces back and forth from close up to close up of each actor's face. I feel the scene would have worked much better had there been a wide shot of the two of them, where you can really see the impact of what they're saying to each other. Because at that point, Tony and Peter are exchanging dramatic emotional blows here. You know, Tony's basically trying to let peter parker know that how how badly he's disappointed him and that he's going to take the suit away and peter's trying to defend why he did what he did and try, trying to plead with him and there's lots of emotional stakes but you never it, it just goes from close up of tony's face close up of peter's face close up of tony's face close up of peter's face and it, it the, the the cuts are sort of jarring and to me the scene has no real flow had there just been like one interesting simple wide shot of watching these two central figures have this meaningful meaningful conversation i think the scene might have you know worked a little better but all the jarring cuts from face to face and you and, and the feeling that maybe some dialogue has been cut or lifted out of the scene just for me left me feeling sort of just cold instead of feeling that feeling of, of sort of sadness and heartbreak that I think that scene is supposed to have and that based on the scenes that follow it, it definitely was supposed to have. Um, and that's the thing that was probably one of the one of these small areas where Watts could have flexed a little bit. You know, he could have shown us who he is as a filmmaker in that scene because it's a it's probably the most, uh, quote unquote, serious scene in the whole film. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was just kind of bland. Um, but I will say this, you know, the, the movie does something that that I the very few movies can do, which is, you know, sometimes if something happens in a movie that makes me sort of check out there's a moment there where I'll go like, okay, I see what you are. All right. I, I accept you for what you are, but I'm not, I'm not going to be invested anymore. And there was a moment like that towards the, you know, as as the third act was starting to ramp up, there was something that happens that I'll delve into in the spoiler discussion next week, where I felt myself sort of sit back in my chair and kind of go, oh, all right, I guess we're just going to be a mediocre movie. All right, it is what it is. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just pretty good. Um, And that moment happened where I just kind of started to feel myself check out and resign myself to the fact that this was going to be only a pretty good experience. What Spider-Man Homecoming pulled off, though, is it somehow managed to pull me back. It like boomeranged which it's hard to happen for me these days because I see so many of these damn things. Um, but yeah, the not only did it suddenly re-engage me, but it suddenly engaged me in ways that Marvel movies don't typically do. You know, I, I've had this conversation with you guys a lot on Twitter, and I've mentioned it here on on, on the podcast, where the Marvel films always seem to sort of pull their punches. They don't want to get too emotional or too intense, and they always kind of play it safe and that I rarely have that, like, goosebump-inducing hair on the back of my neck standing up feeling at a Marvel movie. Uh, but Spider-Man Homecoming managed to pull off, like, two or three of those during its third act, and that's after it had already sort of lost me. So that goes to show you that there's, you know, that there's... It's a good movie, and there's a lot of good in there. And overall, you know, my score for it is a B+. You know, so it overall, I, I'm giving it, it was a very good movie. I think with some better direction, it could have been a great movie. It could have been in the A's. It could have been one of these that I have to buy the first day it comes on Blu-ray, you know? Um, but instead, it's just, it, it's very good, but just not great. Um, and it kind of calls to mind some comments I've read, you know, where John Watts was talking about... How, uh, you know, everything in this movie is at an 11 because he's trying, they were trying to convey what life is like for a teenager. And, you know, when you're a teenager, everything is the most important thing ever. You know, whether it's having that conversation with the person you have a crush on, whether it's trying your best to keep a secret from your parents or your aunt, whether it's being an Avenger, you know, everything is the most important thing that's ever happened. That's just, you know, and that's true. When you're a teenager, the stakes are always insanely high and it's not until you're older that you really sort of get a sense of perspective and start learning what really matters and what doesn't matter. So I get that. But the issue is, since everything is at an 11 in this movie, every all, all the personal stakes for Peter are always so high and he's so um, breathlessly invested in every single thing that happens, it has sort of an inverse effect. Because you know, if everything is at an 11, if everything is the most important thing ever, then that kind of me- makes it so that everything is the same. You understand? If everything is up here, if everything is at an 11, then everything just kind of becomes one straight line of an arc. Whereas if there are some things in there that are some fours and some fives and kind of gives us some peaks and valleys, it makes certain things land a little better. And for me, the whole movie is just, it's very loud. Everything is very, um, everything is very big. But I feel like with a little more nuanced storytelling, with a couple of more, you know, peaks and valleys and little plateaus, some of the emotional highs could have been even more emotional. It could have been a much more powerful bit of filmmaking. Um, Instead, you know, it's it's very fun. It moves it along at a nice brisk clip, and it's definitely the most fun that you're going to have at a movie theater probably anytime soon. But some of the, uh, it just, I I think I already kind of made that point. It just, it it could have definitely benefited from not everything always being the most important thing that's ever happened. Um, and I have to back up what other people have said. Michael Keaton was great, uh, easily one of the stronger villains in the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, I was actually sort of surprised because initially I wasn't really sure how to feel, uh, I walked in wanting to love his performance, but the way the film starts and the way they introduce him, I almost felt like, oh, this is a little campier than I expected. Like it felt a little bit sort of, um, how should I put it? It just felt a little bit on the nose. It almost felt like like Heaton was, um, I don't know, just like playing the villain, if, if you know what I mean. He, he was like... He, he was hamming it up a little bit. It, it didn't feel all that nuanced or interesting. It just felt like, oh, you want me to be a bad guy? I'll act like this is how a bad guy acts. But then as the movie goes on, and I started kind of getting more into the rhythm of his vulture, I started realizing that, oh, no, I'm watching something pretty dope here. This is pretty damn good. But I will say that, like, my initial take on him was a little bit like, oh, I don't know, this might be a little cartoonish for me. Um, but he was great, and... The third act, as a result of Michael Keaton being great uh, and Tom Holland being great, is one of the best third acts of any of these kinds of movies that I've ever seen. Uh, Davo, you know, and other people, you know, we've discussed a lot how the third act in these movies are often way too overblown. Where, all right, the world's at stake. We have to save the entire city. Oh, there's a portal and here comes the alien invasion. Or, you know, everything becomes so big that it ends up feeling kind of small. In this movie, they find a way to keep the stakes extremely personal. It's one of these things where if Peter fails, it's not the end of the world. If Peter fails then all we really do is kind of get set up for a sequel because what the villain wants is not looking for world domination. I, again, I'm not going to get into spoilers now, but you know wh- what happens if Peter fails is much more uh, on a personal level. He, you know, his soul will be crushed. He will have to deal with the feeling of I failed such and such and I didn't do what I should have done and I let everyone down. Uh, it's not if I fail, then all of New York goes up in a puff of smoke, uh, and and yet, it's as you are as invested in that as you are in something much bigger. So you know that was very good writing. That part was very well staged and well paced and well shot. The whole third act, you know, especially during like the conf- the final confrontation between Spidey and Vulture. Uh, there's so much going for it that just really has to do about their connection as these two characters and what failing or succeeding means to either of them. And to me, I, I the, you know, Marvel is should be commended for that. And the writers should be commended for that. And by the way, it's amazing that this film feels as coherent as it does because there's a shit ton of writers on this movie when the credits started rolling i saw six names it reminds me of uh what did i just see of, of the mummy last month where it was like there was like six writers credited with the screenplay there's five writers credited with the story you know this thing was written by a committee and yet the film really does feel you know fairly coherent and cohesive uh so you got to hand it to them for that as well um let me think anything else I could say, because I do have a guest to bring on with you in a few. So before I bring on my guest and get into all that, um, oh yeah, I, I do think it's worth noting. By the way, there's a lot of cool '80s homages in this movie, because uh, yeah, we know about the whole John Hughes thing that they are trying to make it feel almost like a like a John Hughes coming of age teen drama. And all throughout the DNA of this movie, there's all kinds of 80s goodness. I mean, there's little... And it's all subtle stuff. It's stuff that if you've never seen the movies, you won't even notice it. But if you have seen the movies, you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, there's little things that'll make you think of risky business with Tom Cruise. There's stuff that'll make you think about The Breakfast Club. There's one that's actually very obvious that's supposed to make you feel... uh, You think about Ferris Bueller. Um, and there's even like Tom Holland has said that he sort of based his, his Peter Parker was sort of inspired by Marty McFly from back to the future. And you can totally see that. Um, so it's just kind of cool. That was kind of fun to see. There's a lot of great little, uh, little eighties touches in there. Um, but what's interesting though, too, I will say I actually, me being me and where I'm at nowadays, I would have enjoyed even more of the teen drama and a little less of the superhero stuff. You know, his supporting cast and the the the, you know, the the actors and the characters as written are so in. You know, they're so endearing, and I like the world that they've set up there. That I would love to have spent a little more time with Peter and his crew. Um, you know, of, of his fellow teenage high school students. Um, you know, that that's one area where, again, like, if the movie had a little more nuance, a little more peaks and valleys, I would have liked to see a little more of that and a little less of the Spider-Man doing Spider-Man shit. Um, but oh, you know, maybe we'll get more of that in the sequel, now that they've sort of more uh, established him in this. Um, and, you know, just to recap, you know, this year... I've seen a definitive take on Wonder Woman and a definitive take now on Spider-Man. And if I can get the Batman I know and love, and most importantly, the Superman that I've built my life around uh, in Justice League in November, this will be the greatest year of my fanboy life. So here's hoping. You know, so far, this year is off to an amazing start. You know, We got the amazing Logan, We got the phenomenal uh, Wonder Woman. Now we got Spider-Man Homecoming. If Justice League can close this baby out uh, in November uh, the way it could and hopefully will, this is going to be a year for the ages. I'm not even talking about Thor Ragnarok, which is another one I'm very... Uh, intrigued, and I'm just not a big Thor person. So, you know, if that movie's amazing, I'll be happy, but I won't have any personal stakes in whether or not that movie is great. Justice League is for me, you know, part of the holy grail. So, if you can just put yourself in my shoes for a second, you grew up on Superman, Batman, Spider uh, Woman, Spider Woman, Spider Man, and to a lesser extent, Wonder Woman, because, you know, I, I, I'm a DC person. That means that this year I could conceivably have spent time with amazing versions of all of those characters on the big screen. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, <laughs> I can die a happy man if, Nova- if, if, if Justice League is amazing in November, now with the year that, that we've gotten so far. Um, but yep, that's about that on my Spider-Man Homecoming review. Now we'll get into some of the big news items that are going on out there in fanboy land. Since Spider Man Homecoming is the toast of the town right now, let's talk. We're going to start off today's sort of news items with how Spider Man is fucking doing. So, Last night there was the Thursday night previews, which are usually a fairly good barometer of how the film is going to be doing at the box office this weekend. And holy crap, Spider-Man: Homecoming is totally overperformed. Uh, you know, it, it's blowing past projections where initially. <laughs> It looked like they were going to make like 10 million bucks last night. They ended up, you know, then that got inflated to around 13 million, right, right? When I got home to go go to bed, I checked because I'm a nerd and that's what I do. Uh, so it went from 10 million to 13 and then I woke up this morning and guess what? 15.4 million. So right now it's off to a very good start. Just to sort of put into perspective for you how good of a start Uh, In terms of recent Thursday night previews, you know, that actually tops Deadpool, which was, you know, the huge success story last year. Uh, That one opened to 12.7 million. Uh, The first Guardians of the Galaxy opened to 11.2 million. Uh, Wonder Woman, which is right now the current big sort of standard bearer, opened to 11 million. And then you know my personal favorite uh, Captain America movie, probably my favorite MCU movie, The Winter Soldier. That one opened to ten point two million, and this even tops Spider Man Three, which was like the big high earner for the original Raimi trilogy. That had a you know ten million dollar Thursday preview night. Uh, if we want to look at other like MCU brethren, you know Doctor Strange last fall opened to nine point four. So this opened six million dollars more than Doctor Strange. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of an opening weekend this has. You know, last month I, m- I made a projection that it would open around one thirty. I don't think there's any chance that's going to happen now. It does look like it's going to end up somewhere in the low one hundreds. Uh, so the question now, you know, all eyes will be on whether or not Spider Man: Homecoming does better than wonder woman i'm not saying it's a fair comparison i think they're totally different animals uh, different you coming from different franchises that are different places in their lifelines one is a reboot uh, a second reboot and one is the first time we're ever seeing wonder woman so i'm not saying that it's apples to apples but for better or worse, people are going to be comparing these two. Because, you know, it's, it's the big current DC movie. It's the big current Marvel movie. And it's two legacy characters. Two of those characters that people around the world have grown up on for the last fucking 70 years or whatever it's been. So, I don't, I, I don't know if it's going to beat Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman ended up pulling in, I think, like 108 or something like that in its opening weekend. Uh, I'm talking out of my ass here, by the way. I don't, I don't remember what it opened at, but I know it was somewhere around there. Um, I, I don't know, because remember, Wonder Woman had like a little, had like a secret weapon. Wonder Woman had a whole demographic that no one was counting on or knew what to expect, which are women, older women, and non-traditional film goers—people who would not typically come see these kinds of movies—who came out. With curiosity, because they're like, you know what? I've, I have never seen Wonder Woman. I want to see how the first Wonder Woman is handled. Uh, Spider-Man's not going to have that sort of hidden secret weapon. You know what I mean? Spider-Man, you know, we, he's already well-covered ground. And if anything, he's been diluted by the fact that we've already met two different Peter Parkers in the last 15 years. Um, so I, I that's where I think Spider-Man will suffer. There is no hidden untapped audience for Spider Man. Pretty much anyone who's going to see that movie, uh, you know, the industry already knows how to track them and monitor them because they've been seeing Spider Man movies since 2002 now. Um, Oh, and just to correct myself, Wonder Woman's opening weekend was 103.2 million. So, you know, I think Spidey will come in around that. It might beat it. But I don't think it's going to have the legs that Wonder Woman ultimately has. I mean, Tom Holland's legs, you know, can't hold a candle to Gal Gadot's. But you know what I mean. I don't think it's going to have the legs because, like I said, Wonder Woman has this incredible curiosity factor that I don't think Spider-Man Homecoming is going to have. So even if it does end up surpassing Wonder Woman's opening weekend, I highly doubt that it will do, you know, better overall here domestically um international is a whole other story international it may end up grossing more than wonder woman uh and marvel once again is doing that wise thing where they're sort of um breaking up the releases it's not having a simultaneous worldwide release i mean it it might not even open in china i think until the end of august or early september So, you know, we're going to be counting Spider-Man's box office tallies for a long time now because, you know, they like to do that sort of staggered release. So, by the way, stay tuned for Monday when when people talk about when when they try to compare Spider-Man's worldwide release figures to Wonder Woman's, even though Wonder Woman's opened in many more territories than Spider-Man did. People try to do that shit all the time. Oh, look at that. It didn't it didn't beat Wonder Woman's worldwide gross. But remember, folks, Marvel doesn't open their movies the way Warner Brothers does. Uh, they like to lay shit out. So, you know, you can't really compare those. Um, so yes, Homecoming's off to a great start. Uh, then there's the fact that people are already talking about sequels, like you do. Uh, right now, you know, the according to reports, John Watts has yet to sign on to direct. The Spider-Man sequel, which I think flies in the face of reports that we heard, I don't know, a couple weeks ago where it sounded like they had already locked him up. Uh, According to new reports, he is not signed on the dotted line. He's the kind of person who likes to go one film at a time. And if you look at Marvel's track record, you know, they're not really known for bringing back directors. You know, Joss Whedon was a, an exception. He got to make Avengers 1 and 2, but we also know that he was sort of helping to creatively oversee the entire MCU, so you understood that. Uh, John Favreau came back for Iron Man 2, but even then, you know, like that, that was towards w- w- when the MCU was still in its infancy and they hadn't quite figured out how they're going to be operating with directors. And as we all know, he ended up, you know, bowing out of making any other Marvel movies because he was sort of, put off by how hands-on they were with Iron Man 2. James Gunn is another one. So what are we looking at? We're looking at three directors out of 15 movies that have ever come back for a sequel. So I would be... uh, I don't want to say I would be surprised, but I, I understand why it's not a given that Watts will return for a sequel. And honestly, you know, if you were paying attention to my review earlier in this episode, I just... I wouldn't really miss him. Nothing against him. He did, you know, he he gave me a very strong uh, Spider-Man movie, but I ne- I didn't really get the sense that he brought anything special to the table. Uh, I'm I'm sure there are other directors who could do just as good a job as John Watts if they do decide to get a different director for the next spider-man movie which by the way just side note i think it's funny that everyone keeps calling it spider-man homecoming 2 it's not going to be homecoming 2 this one was homecoming because it's about the fucking homecoming dance uh so it's going to have a different subline or subtitle but anyway uh that was my own little mini rant there And now it is time for a little bit of Bochinche with Kelvin Chavez. Kelvin, what's going on, man? What's going on, my man? How's it cooking? uh, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I saw saw a very good Spider-Man movie last night. Personally, my favorite ever Spider-Man movie. So before we get into any Bochinche and all that sort of shit, I want to just know, you know, how did you like it?
1: Uh, I liked it. A lot. Um,
0: ah, there's a butt cutting. I still think,
1: no, I still think me, like you said, this is might be your favorite Spider Man of all time, but um, I still, me personally, I still like Raimi's Spider Man 2 as the first. This one, obviously, it's 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 tied, you know, this both of them for me are like tied, but I would, if I had to pick one, I would pick uh, Dr. Octopus and stuff like that, yeah, but um. I liked it a lot, dude. I really did. I like that, that fact that this Spider-Man story, you know, had a, loads of backstory. It was not too much. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't have to go back to the Uncle Ben. Yeah. You know, they were, they were staying away from the Raimi and the web Spider-Man. So, you know, if you were going to make a reintroduction or a sort of reboot of a Spider-Man, this was it.
0: Yeah, you know, you know it's right? funny you bring that up. Like, I, I haven't mentioned that yet. I, I reviewed the movie a few minutes ago. Um I, I was very sort of apprehensive at first that they weren't going to touch on the origin at all. Because I feel like, you know, the Uncle Ben death and all that sort of stuff is such a central part of the Spidey mythology that I, I thought the movie was going to feel weird without that stuff. But yeah, the way they handled it, the way the the way the way script is written, the way they, you know, I, I, I didn't miss it. Uh, and I guess we got to hand it to them for that because, you know, it's weird. You know, obviously if you look over in DC, like anytime they do anything with Batman, we got to see his fucking parents get killed. You know, (laughs) know, like anytime you do anything with Superman, we got to see Krypton explode. This time they do Peter Parker without touching on the Uncle Ben death, which is like one of the seminal moments that creates Spider-Man. So I thought the movie was going to feel oddly sort of, you know, empty without that. But no, they they pull that shit off.
1: Um, they pull they pulled it off really good. I mean, like obviously there is mention not of him, yeah, but of of of, of what Aunt May has been yeah, going through. Yeah,
0: that that see so, that tugged at the old heartstrings there.
1: You um, know like that 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 so pretty much any Spider Man fan knows what the hell he's talking about. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, I I, I like you know that we actually got a. a, a a spider teen or because he's a teenager yeah. or a Spider-Man film. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was worried. I was one of those people who were worried that, you know, the commercials are showing it, the trailer is showing you know, too much Iron Man. Is it going to be too yeah, much? Is this yeah, a yeah, Spider-Man yeah. Iron Man movie or is it going to be a Spider-Man movie? And at the end of the day, it is a Spider-Man oh, film. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's you know, kind of like what
0: people g- said where it's like, yeah, all the Iron Man bits were just the stuff we saw in the trailer. You know what I mean? Like, he's just in it for, like, four or five scenes, but really, this is a Spider-Man movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and, and I like the whole John Hughes feel, coming of age stuff, you know, teenager yeah. in high school. See, I actually and-
0: could have done a little—I would have liked a little more of that, but that's just me, I guess.
1: Yeah, and do and, and I like the fact that there's a scene in there, like, you know, no spoiler. Obviously, you know, you, you see that he's struggling to be a normal teenager because he wants to hang yeah. out— Yeah. With the girl in the the pool scene. Yeah, see, like, I want
0: to bring you back on Tuesday so we can delve into this stuff a little more on the spoilers. But, like, and that's the stuff that for me was very, very intriguing. Like, that's the stuff that I wanted to explore more. Yeah, you know, that's why I wish yeah. like I wish there had been a little more of that and a little less of the superhero stuff. And I've said that about a few movies. Like for me, like if you want to go back to like Man of Steel, I always felt like that third act is forty five minutes long. We could have take we could have took fifteen minutes off of that and added it to the beginning on Krypton and I would have been very happy. And then if you go to like Age of Ultron, like the scene at the on the farm. Like I could have used oh, more scenes, like on the farm, because that for me that's what grounded it and made that movie more special. Uh, with Wonder Woman, I could have, I would have been happy chopping off some of that third act and putting some, some putting some more time into into the Themyscira scenes. Uh, with Spider Man: Homecoming, I could have done with a little less of the Spider Man stuff and a little more of the him just trying to be a normal teenager and how hard that is with all the different pressures that he's feeling. You know, like to me, that's the stuff that's really interesting. Maybe that's just because I'm 34 and I, I don't need to see uh, explosions every five minutes, you know? Um, no,
1: no. And, and I remember uh, when I broke the story back when I was at the other site that would never be mentioned on the podcast. <laughs> the Voldemort but, site. <laughs> the Voldemort site. Um, When I broke the story that they were going to do another Spider-Man with yeah. Sony and, and it was confirmed. And back then... The source told me that they were going to focus, and you can see it in the film. They were going to focus more on his point of view, the teenager, the struggle, and you, you know, it was it was a lot more of that instead of the. And I really
0: really like that. I I almost wish maybe I'm just being greedy and spoiled, but I I could have done with even more of that. And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that scoop. I was about to give you some like retro credit on that. They're like, while heading to the theater yesterday, I had like a moment of pride. <laughs> I, was driving, you know, I was driving through Queens. I actually passed through Elmhurst, where, around where you live, to get to the theater. And I'm like, you know, Kelvin fucking nailed this shit like two years ago. You know, You were the one who broke the story that they were going to be ditching Garfield, that they yeah. were going to be putting him in high school, that they were going to be skipping the origin story. Like, you, know, you you yep. had your finger on the pulse of all this Spider-Man stuff from the beginning. So I just want you to and know, the only man. Thing,
1: and, the only, and the only thing that changed, obviously they changed the whole, you know, they kept some of the script, I guess, you know, was there was a scene, I remember reading it with my source, uh, there was a scene in there where, you know, obviously, and they stuck to this in the film, you know, Spider-Man, this teenager, he wants to be an Avenger, right? Yeah. That's basically what, and no spoilers, Kelvin.
0: No, no, no. There was a
1: thing, in, no, no, no was a thing <laughs> an old thing where, you know, in order for him to be an Avenger, he had to fight Iron Man. And obviously oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, taken yeah. That yeah. was taken out. But you know, I I, I like the way they did it anyway, regardless. I mean, dude, the performances for me were hands down great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tom Holland, dude, he embodies Se lo
0: comió, mijo, se lo comió.
1: He embodies his character. Yeah. You know, like crazy. Michael Keaton was awesome. You know, he was to me, and I told you this before, to me, he was the second best MCU villain or Marvel villain. Yeah. Besides Loki. Yeah. You know, he was just awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
0: And dude, I mean, Tom Holland, by the way, deserves so much credit. He's really really fucking good in this movie Even at times where like I felt the script was a little weak He was able to elevate it I've always said like good actors can elevate Stuff that's a little on the weaker side and he just, he really brings it. And the fact that he's 21, but legit feels like a high schooler is pretty damn, you know, that, that that's good praise to give him. Like, right? He, you never get that sense that, like, oh, this is a grown up pretending to be a teenager. He really, you know, he, he embodies that teenage spirit, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Absolutely. And I think, like, I went back to last night, my son and I went back to, uh, to watch Civil War yesterday just because, I don't know if you've caught wind of, you know, people saying about the Spidey Sense stuff.
0: No, I, I saw a little something about that that people wished yeah, that, the, the, that, that it had yeah, been okay. there. So no,
1: no spoilers or anything like that, but, you know, they were talking about Spidey Sense because, you know, in, in the old Spider-Man films, you know, that was a big thing. Yeah. The Spidey Sense, right? So then we went back and I was thinking, how old was this kid? How old was Holland when he did um, – Civil War, he yeah. must have been like 19, right? Yeah. He looks a lot, a little bit younger on that film than he does now.
0: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you know? Yeah, that's just...
1: So, you know, there was a scene in there that we caught on and said, dude, he does have the spider sense. You know, and there's a scene in there, if you go back to Civil War, when he's fighting in the airport scene, he's talking to, I guess, Falcon, when he has him on the floor, he's talking, that da 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 and then he goes, uh oh. And he he, yeah, 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 he knows. Yeah, something, absolutely. Yeah. something behind them is gonna come and and so there you have it. So this whole nonsense of it not having yeah. a spider sense.
0: I mean, I haven't really been following the coverage of the Spidey Sense stuff, but I, w- w- if I had to take a guess, I think people are, are probably uh, confused as to why it wasn't included as like a cool visual like you'd think with exactly. all the effects that marvel has the slow
1: motion stuff.
0: yeah like they could have made like a cool version of spidey sense and maybe they'll introduce that a little better in the next movie but yeah i guess it would be kind of cool if we could see like slow-mo and get and put like an interesting color filter on it so that we can experience it the way he experiences it when he knows something bad's about to happen Yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. It's uh, for me that wasn't really a big. I I didn't miss it. I didn't even think of it until this morning when I was getting ready for the show today. I saw some headline about the Spidey Sense, and I'm like, really? People are caught up on that shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I guess we can get into a little. That that
1: was one of the things that you know when I got out the first. Because I've seen it twice. Yeah. So when I first saw it, I'm like, that's the first thing that I even told my son Austin was like, that's the first thing that touched me was like, there was no Spidey Sense.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: And then the second time around, which was, I thought was better, I took my other son and my daughter. No, not my daughter. Yeah, my daughter. Yeah, my daughter. Um, uh, I didn't care for it, to be honest. With you. It didn't phase me.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, yes, I am seeing it again for the third time. I think this is the only film this year that I might see three times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: you know only what? because
1: you know my, my daughter, my niece... My daughter saw it already. She loves Tom Holland. Um, funny, because you know, in this industry, you know, like y- you get to interview the talent, right? Yeah. In my case, I'll interview. So I had the opportunity to, you know, talk to Tom, and he actually went on video nicely, and he said hi to my daughter. How you doing? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And she went nuts. So she's a big <laughs> fan of his. And then uh, my niece, my nephew, all of them want to go. You know, Latino night tonight
0: yeah so we go, like, nice
1: you know, you know like we gotta do a real girl. latino
0: you have to like bring a random baby to like an 11 o'clock show again. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, shut that kid up bitch my wife always hates that she never understands that about our culture God,
1: i hate that stuff. I, I really do i mean i'm like the same way i'm like really you're bringing not only to like any movie but especially to like a horror movie
0: like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that happens all the time, and that's the thing. You know, my wife is Caucasian. She's Italian and Ukrainian, and she always turns to me in the theater and she points out that like it's eleven thirty at night, we're watching an R-rated horror flick, and there's you know Lupe and and Francisco <laughs> back there with a crying baby in the back seat. Like really, like this is th- this was a good idea for you.
1: So exactly. you know, if you're gonna do
0: a Latino style tonight, you got to bring that random baby. You got to like find one on the corner and do that shit legit. You know. Legit, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, but no, I'm
1: and, and and dude. At the end of the day, hands down, I give it to you know Marvel and and thank God Sony worked it out with them and we got a, a legitimate you know good film. And I don't know about you, but when I broke the story back then, and even now when I'm seeing it, it seems like Marvel wanted to do this film and like have no kind of acknowledgement. To the web and Remy movies,
0: oh yeah, of course, yeah. They wanted just the clean you get clean that. Did break you get from that, that. Too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you really, th- there's, there's like no similarities. There's no, there's no Osborn at all in there. Everything looks and feels different. He's not even in a house anymore. He's in an apartment, like in every, every way yeah, that. Yeah. they... And by the way, did you notice this? We never really see him web slinging through Manhattan, which is like, a, was a big part. Of the other movies. There were always sequences where you'd see Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man or Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man going through all the skyscrapers. Here, like Homecoming takes place almost entirely in Queens. You never really see him around the skyscrapers doing all that usual stuff. So yeah, they did a pretty clean break visually from, from everything that's come before it.
1: Yeah, and I and I thought that the first four like what you've seen online now, the first four minutes of the film was was fucking great.
0: Yeah, great, great,
1: great. That little short documentary that he had, that was yeah. great.
0: Oh no, that that was all that was all really good. Now I, I want to touch on one bit. Because uh, I, I talk a lot about how, like, these movies don't really have a very, like, emotional core. Like, the, the Marvel movies don't really get me. Like, 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 in Wonder Woman, I ugly cried at one point. In Logan, I was a puddle of shit there towards the end. Um, last night, I went with a buddy of mine who, to him, like, Spider-Man is to him what Superman is to me. And... This part was pretty cool about my movie-going experience. I looked over at him a few times... And he was having, like, a religious experience. I caught homie crying, like, two or three different times throughout the movie. So I will say, like, it was cool to see for someone who loves Spider-Man and who, who grew up on Spider-Man, it looks like Homecoming hits a lot of very, very strong notes. The, the kind of notes that I would I would wish for a Superman movie to hit in me, which Man of Steel didn't hit. Uh, I sound so bitter. But he was, you know... <laughs> Like he was crying. This is not a guy who typically cries. And I got to tell you, there are like two movies and there are two moments in this movie where I felt myself like fighting back a little bit, a little mendito. I felt, I felt, (laughs) you know, it wasn't an ugly cry, but there were two different times in this movie. Or I felt that emotion starting to well up in my chest and in my throat and my eyes getting a little bit shiny. And that's something that very few Marvel movies have done, where they push me to that level of being invested. So let me ask you, first of all, in general, do you ever get like, are you, do you, do you get like emotional at at movies like this? Uh, for what? Comic book movies? Yeah. I mean, look, I'll tell
1: you right now, look, I know that a lot of people that didn't like Man of Steel, I... Did in a way, yeah. yes. Um, I remember to this point, I get goosebumps just talking about it right Ooh. now. I remember when I went to uh, Comic Con and they showed us the first teaser.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw the bootleg man of that.
1: steel. And I remember I was with Devin Faraci and some other producers, yeah, we're sitting on the VIP section. And then the next thing you know, they showed it. And you know what, I did kind of. Of have a little bit of an, you got know, it? <laughs> my first movie was Superman. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. What I ever saw in the cinema was Donner Superman, and then I, I turn around and I see this guy; his tears were coming down <laughs> out of that teaser. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. felt I, I I understood why because I kind of felt like that, but I didn't cry obviously. But yeah. I was like, oh, I, I love get
0: obviously. it. Obviously, oh, I'm fucking macho no. man over here. No, no,
1: it's like, I say because no pa tanto, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? But so yeah, so, is, are, that, so is that
0: my answer then? Because I'm asking you, like, do you, what, like, have you ever cried at a superhero movie? Uh, Come on, think of Logan. Think about the last act of Logan. Logan no, no, Did I didn't get, cry. I was no? a little
1: sad, but I didn't cry, no. Again, going back to the Man of Steel, <laughs> uh, I only sort of like uh, took my, you know, glance and took my tear out was you know when he snaps his guy's neck
0: oh yeah Zodiac. he does like the scream and the whole thing and then
1: he cuz you i get it you know yeah. i understand you know he didn't want to do that he i know i yeah. get it but yeah i i, I get a little too uncertain thing Not only just marvel like you know i mean dude michael keaton is in homecoming and it was funny cuz i was telling my my son i said i cried fearlessly on one of his films which was a call this movie called life
0: okay i don't know if you saw
1: by way, the way, because uh, I, I think it was with him and Nicole Kidman. Okay. He had cancer. And, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, so that brought to you. And then, you know.
0: So so you, uh, so you do cry at movies. But when it comes to yes, the superhero okay. flicks, okay. no way apart.
1: A little bit here and there, but I get teary But I do like in the – I have done this twice already in the superhero films where you're on the side of the enemy or the villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you say, yes, motherfucker, I'm with you. Yeah, You know what I mean? <laughs> I am with – like like this one, for example, he is – like I told you this before when I saw the first time yeah. around, Michael Keaton, he is the type of villain that you're like, yes, motherfucker, I'm with you. I get you. Yeah, I'm, like you I'm, would
0: be part oh, of his crew. <laughs> I would be part of your
1: crew, just like Magneto and Fastbender said in the in First Class, who's with me? Because you get it. He has every right to do what he is doing. You know, and he is pissed off. Like he's telling Charles Xavier, you know – we tried it your way, and I told you that, and then yeah, at the end he was right.
0: Yeah. and
1: in this one, homecoming, Michael Keaton, and you see, he you know he is the working class man who gets yeah. fucked.
0: You know, and and, 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 you, and and I felt that way. I, mean, I I agree with you here, and I also felt that way about Wonder Woman. We, we never really discussed this part that much, but I was with Ares. You know, when Ares is talking about like humanity doesn't deserve you because all all humanity does at the end of the day is try to destroy itself. You know, yeah. when he was pointing out his motivations for wanting to bring humanity down, I was almost like, yeah, you know what? Like, the world would be a better place if if, if you just wiped us all off the planet. The Earth would probably be in a – would be a much more uh, peaceful, happy place without humanity. So I, that was another I, – I like, I understood his um, – you know, why he was doing what he was doing.
1: Yeah, and the same thing here with Michael Key, I, I get it, dude. And I was 100% with him, like – I'm on your side, my boy. Yeah, you know what I mean. And there's a no uh, I want to
0: discuss there when we get to the spoiler stuff next week. But yeah. um, no,
1: and but going back to the crying, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, the last time I, like I said, I, I was a little, you know, that was Man of Steel to be honest with you. Um, okay, and 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 uh, again, another DC film was, you know, the only reason I. Kind of, kind of teary eye was because my daughter was crying profusely. I mean, oh, she was what, crying. A Batman
0: v Superman was Superman. Batman it? v
1: Superman. Oh my gosh. she was crying like, like when you, you know, steal a toy from her or, yeah, or she yeah. lost. it. Oh my gosh, she was crying and crying and crying when you know Superman died. Well, again, you know, you know, it's
0: she... funny how much of our crying has to do with Superman. I guess you exactly, and I are right? kindred spirits, Kel, <laughs> yes. because my very first time ever crying at a movie was Superman 4, which I saw at the Elmwood Theater on Queens Boulevard, ah. when, when Nuclear Man buries Superman in the moon. Even though I was <laughs> only like three or four years old, I already understood that to bury someone means that they are are dead so when i saw that scene i remember turning to my mom and i said superman's dead and like people were like <laughs> looking back from the row in front of me and my mom had to like hold me you know like I, superman uh, makes us all cry i guess yeah i guess uh, you're with me on that
1: <laughs> yes
0: yes,
1: yes. Um, and like you and i i mean i'm i'm a huge superman fan i think he, to me he's the number one superhero yeah, he's of all the king, time god
0: damn it he's the king
1: you know? And I and I like Marvel and and, and, and I believe Spider Man and you and I probably can relate to this, you know, Homecoming, I love the fact that they show a lot of shit from Queens. Everything.
0: Yeah, like,
1: absolutely. Queens Boulevard, the Seven Train. Yep. Although you know.
0: they kind of kept like switching locations, which I mean, again, it's fine. Listen, I listen. I know they couldn't be geographically accurate, but as someone yeah. from here, I'm like, okay, that's Sunnyside, that's Ozone yes. Park, that's Forest so Stop acting like that's all one neighborhood, all like a block away from each other, because that's totally different no. parts of Queens, <laughs> different and, and, train and lines the, and everything. But it's okay. And the school
1: and the school looked like. um Forest Hills High School, obviously it wasn't. Yeah, you know, I, I know think Forest that was Hills like Franklin
0: High K. Lane over there by the age yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, Either um, way, uh, yeah, I, I really love the whole Queens element of it also. Um, but now I want to get into a little bit of Bochinche stuff. Um okay. Well, you know, so like two weeks ago, you published a story about Michael Mando's character in the show, in the movie. And the fact yes. that he could be planting the seeds or he could be involved with some of Sony's alternate universe, you know, extended universe plans. And now that I've seen the movie, and now that I've watched the post-credit sequences and all that sort of stuff again, we're not going to spoil what happens, but I got to tell you it does look like Sony is y- is using Homecoming to launch some of its own Spider-Verse stuff, which is interesting because this is set in the MCU, but the movies that they're setting up are not uh, and I kind of want to just kind of get your, your read on that. So Michael Mando plays Mac Gargan, which if you guys know your comic book lore, uh, you know that you should know who that is. Uh, and in this movie, you know, he's given a moment or two towards the end where you kind of see like, oh, you know what? I can see that they're going to be following up on this character. And you, who have had, you know, you have an inside source on the Silver and Black movie. Mac Gargan is supposed to be part of that film, isn't he?
1: He he is, well, that character, yeah. Mac Gargan, yeah. he is in Silver and Black. And he does have a big Role Like he is the henchman to the villain.
0: And presumably so he, it's going to be Michael Mando. Ma- Michael Mando yeah. again from better call Saul. So this is where yeah. shit gets crazy for me because here we go. Silver and black will not be set in the MCU. Just like venom. Supposedly we will not be set up in the you know, part of the MCU, but here's Michael Mando playing a character in homecoming that he's going to be reprising presumably in silver and black. So I know you have a little bit of insight on this, on how it works, and you've written about it elsewhere, but I want to have it here on the El Fanboy podcast. You had a chance to sort of chat about this with Kevin Feige, with Amy Pascal. So what is the deal here with who can interact with what? What is MCU? What is Spider-Verse? Well,
1: according to Amy, when we spoke to her like at the Junkin and Stuff Lab, she made it very clear, like, Spider-Man... Tom Holland, in this case, is the only character or actor character in this case, Spider Man, who can be in the MCU. Everybody else, other than him, can be in the Spideyverse. So, in this case, I like say Michael Mando. If they want to use him for Black and Silver, he could be using Michael Mando's character or Mike Gargan. This one, he is not part of the MCU. Only Spider Man.
0: But and that shit doesn't confuse you?
1: No because everybody <laughs> else they say my gargan or tali tal or whatever or another actor or another character um can be in, let say, Venom movie. Or but there's never Superman. been a
0: situation like that in film before, where here's this one no, character never. who's and basically think, part think, of two different franchises. Tom Holland can yeah, I mean, be in it, the unless, MCU hanging out with Steve Rogers, but he could also pop up in Venom and, and beat up Tom Hardy, but Tom Hardy can never meet Steve Rogers. Like, what the fuck is that? That's so weird.
1: Unless, unless, you know, Sony does a deal with, with Kevin again, and Probably he could, you know, like show up in the MCU, but that's oh,
0: something guys, down the weird. line, probably. Yeah, but guys, because, so just so you know, you know just, Sony wants yeah. to do
1: their own Spideyverse, and and dude, that whole again, non spoiler, the whole end credit scene—you can tell that they got something cooking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, for me, you that's know, what so, cemented it. For, when I yeah, saw so, the, the 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 end credit sequence, I'm like, oh, so they're definitely. Laying down the groundwork for their extended Spider-Verse. I
1: I take this, I take this, and I see. I say, okay, these guys are trying to do what Cloverfield did. You understand that Cloverfield? Yeah,
0: like connected but not
1: connected, but not. That's how I see this. You know, the silver and black and venom. I see that they're in that world. He's around there somewhere, Spider Man, but. You know they're doing their own thing,
0: but how fucking you know confusing I mean? is that going to be, you know, long term? You know, if, if until,
1: I, I, I guess until they, until they figure something out and and they make a pack with Marvel and then, you know, let's see what happens. You yeah, know? that's why you,
0: I'm just hoping. I, I've I've mentioned this before, but I'm just hoping that they have their shit better organized than we think they do. And that, you know, right now, yes, they're keeping it separate, but it's because Kevin Feige does not want to be attached to Sony shit. And he's just basically waiting to see how well those movies do and how good they are before he gives the green light to go, Okay, fine, we could mingle. You know, we we can talk about trying to make this all work together, because to me, like this is just going to get very strange as the years go on and the films pour out (laughs) the idea that, you know, Peter Parker is of two separate worlds. You know, just to me, that's that's so weird. That's I. They're gonna yeah. have to figure I mean, I, unless, out unless
1: unless I mean I mean, how do you see it? Do you think that do you think that they'll use Meg Gargan, the, uh, Michael Mando in I Silver think and so for sure.
0: Think, I mean, listen, or, if,
1: do you, or do you think that they're gonna do something like Quicksilver,
0: or it's or two different guys play Gargan? I don't yeah. think so, it, especially with what we've seen. Like you know, with, with what they showed in in the mid credits, like they, they want us to know that this character will continue and he's going to be prominent in another film. So if he's going to be prominent in the Spider-Man sequel and prominent, as you say, he will be in silver and black, but he's played by two different actors at the same time, but Tom Holland can interact with both. That's just a fucking mess. That is a mess. Yeah. And, so and I believe that I think I, he will yeah, be. Involved.
1: I, I think, I think it would be a mess If they get somebody else to play my Gargan for Silver and Black, that's just my... Then I say, oh, this is a fucking mess. Yeah. You know?
0: And then... Now, what do you think? I I I don't know that people are talking. Oh, you know what? I you know we shouldn't because this reveals something, and we shouldn't go into it. So no, I'm, what? I'm Tell sorry. me, man. No, no, no Tell I can't because I I'm try- me, I don't want to do spoilers. I don't want Aaron to go on iTunes and change his review to one star because I spoiled something. So I'm gonna Aaron's wait open. until next week. <laughs> um, but I think all right. So I guess we can comfortably move away from Spider Man. Uh, you also got a chance to see another big movie that's on the horizon. You got to see War for the Planet of the Apes. So, again, without spoilers, the movie doesn't open until next week. What was your sort of take on War for the Planet of the Apes?
1: I'm going to say it in three words. Mind-blowing. Ooh. Fantastic. Ooh. And... Fucking awesome!
0: Well, that's four like, words, but I guess I oh, guess that's the four fucking words. is okay. in
1: parentheses. The fucking is there. Okay. No, it was. It's an <laughs> awesome movie, and it's uh, the. I, you couldn't ask for a better way. Wow. To end a trilogy, but not that Matt Reeves did a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he only did two films. Yeah. But uh, what a way to end that trilogy that he was part of. You know, it is a perfect yeah. ending. You know what I mean?
0: Now let me uh, ask you this. Hang on, because I I I'm trying to figure out. If it'll appeal to me, all right? So let me ask you this. Definitely. How, well, hang you on, hang on. To,
1: you are going, like, you cried before you are going <laughs> to cool.
0: Well, hang on. But that's the thing. I, I will have a stronger sense of whether or not this movie's for me based on this answer you give me. What did okay. you think of the last one? I liked
1: it a lot. I really, I think that this one was Better than the second one. Okay. Because, dude, to be honest with you, I totally forgot about the last one. Rise of the yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, is it rise or dawn?
0: I always confuse the two. I think it's yeah, I rise. I think dawn was the very first one. Rise was the second one. Um, all, right, all right. So, so I guess that helps me. So, if you only thought that one was pretty good, but you still loved this one, then that gives me hope because I know I, I no, feel yeah, like a dude, lot of because people- you know.
1: I- Go ahead. Because, dude, you know how it is on the internet with Twitter and and, and, and whatever fucking social media people use. <laughs> all these bloggers and shit, they be fucking milking into the studio. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's fantastic. And then when you go see the movie, I'm like, really? Yeah,
0: That's yeah. fantastic. Like, like Guardians of the Galaxy. But League in this too.
1: case, you know, a friend of mine who I respect his opinion because his opinion is like, like mine um, – he said that you know he said that it was really fucking good. Like yeah. he thinks that it's one of the best movies that he's seen all year round, and that, and I agree with him on this. That Andy Circus somehow should get nominated for an Oscar if the Oscars are out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
0: yeah.
1: but just, he is he. It was that good, you know, like
0: okay. very poetic.
1: You know, well, very, and that's why
0: cool. I asked you about the last one, because I feel like a lot of people loved the last one, too. I'm like, yeah, maybe not as much of a love fest as what I'm hearing now about, about the new one. But a lot of people loved it. And I saw it. And I thought, all right, that was pretty good. It was all right. So that's why hearing how much people love this one, I'm a little bit skeptical. But if you're like me, where you thought it was pretty good, but still love this one, then that gives me hope. Um,
1: no, yeah. And to be honest, like I said before, right now, I swear to God, I, I totally forgot about the second one and who was in it. <laughs> I like, had to go back. I was like, who was in this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, snap. And I really forgot how it ended. Like the whole Koba stuff and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and and that, uh, I mean, obviously you saw the second one, uh, you yeah. know, Caesar kills Koba and stuff like that. Yeah. And all that flashback comes in. I was like, oh, that's right. He, he did do that. I, told, I, yeah. I totally forgot about it. But with this one, you like... You know, it's really good. and the way there's two characters that are introduced in here. You're like, wow, yeah. <laughs> you're like,
0: oh,
1: you know, because <laughs> you know, when I when I interviewed Matt Reeves back in I think when when is New York Comic Con October?
0: Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's it's October. Yeah, and
1: October, I I, I I interviewed him and I sat down with him. It was just me, him, and Andy. were like, you know, I'm a fan of the first one, Charles yep. uh, Charles and Hessen Planet of the Apes, and I always wanted to know with this one how are you going to lead up to that? I mean, yeah. or, or, or is this film or gonna doesn't. lead up yeah. to that? Or it doesn't? And and that's what Matt Reeves told me, you know, that's the that's the beauty of this one, is like, you know, you know it's supposed to go up to the Charlton Heston movie, right?
0: Yeah. But
1: how you do it is what is fa- is fa- fascinating and oh. fantastic. For All me. Right. So, so now, the way so the way I'm they do that. Hyped. So the way they do that on this one, I'm like, oh, now I get what Matt Reeves was talking about. And then yeah. after seeing this, I am dying to see now his version of the Batman.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because, you know, I haven't seen it yet. But Reeves makes it sound like, you know, he's discovered a new way to make these big genre films uh, tackle serious ideas. You know, like that it's not just about, like, CGI and blowing things up and, like, empty sort of popcorn movie, like a Transformers movie. He's been talking about how, like, in the last few years, it's really sort of clicked for him that you could use these kinds of larger-than-life stories to explore smaller, more intimate ideas. So let me ask you, with War for the Planet of the Apes, like, does it feel preachy? Does it feel like he's trying to make very uh, specific allegories about real life? Or does it feel oh, yeah. like... Yeah. Okay. But like, but this. Oh, it feel yeah, like, definitely. But like, dude, but like this, does this it feel movie. over the top with it? Like, now it's preaching to me.
1: No, no. This movie, like, for example, like, um, is very, very character driven.
0: Okay. Right?
1: Very character driven. And on the, on, and in the surroundings is yeah. the action. The action is the surrounding. But it's very, very character driven. Like, like I said, Andy Circus is fantastic, dude. It's yeah. like, even though it, you know, it's him behind the CGI stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But
1: he's, Awesome. But I just mean in terms Woody of the Harrelson. film's
0: bigger ideas. Does he hit you over the head with it? Yes. Or do you just yes, enjoy? Okay. You
1: enjoy it, dude. You enjoy the shit out of it because, again, all character-driven. Woody Harrelson is great. Even, um, I forget his name, the guy who plays Bad Ape. Oh, um, I forget. I forgot his name. But anyway, that character is introduced as Bad Ape. Even his ape was amazing. Yeah. I mean, not amazing, but it was very, very, very good. All right. that he was sort of like like you know you laugh at his stuff because yeah. of what he's saying but you're laughing at it because of the way he says it but when he said it it's it's really meaningful because he was hurt you know yeah. he was hurt before. And so you're saying all this stuff, and he goes, obviously, he was hurt, and That's why he's saying it the way he's saying it, and we take it as, as it's, it's being funny.
0: Okay. You know well, because that's something starting to intrigue me about Matt Reeves as a filmmaker. And, and that, as we move on to him becoming the Batman director, you know, I, I'm curious to see how it is that he's able to weave these stories that he's trying to tell with, like, deeper meaning, you know, where it's not just about, you know, uh, the spectacle. So it seems like he's he's figured out how to balance that out and and tell stuff that's food for the soul, but also fun for the eyes, and, and it'll make you you know drool in the movie theater. So no, yeah, I mean, and, and again, that bad ape is, is that's that's his name, Steve Zahn. Okay, you know? oh, I love Steve so, Zahn. Yeah,
1: yeah, so he he's his character is really really well you know really well, well,
0: well you know written. thought out and yeah
1: well written really 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 I mean you trust me dude you're gonna like this film
0: okay and. I, and,
1: and just like when I told you when I saw Spider Man, how I thought this was, you know, yeah. you're gonna like it as well. Okay. And 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 I said it on Twitter before. I think Fox nailed it, you know, with two of the best films that I've seen so far out of all the yeah, movies with that I've seen. Logan
0: and War for the
1: with Logan yes. and this they they hit a they hit a home run with these two movies. Like, r- shocking that they did
0: that. Okay. Okay. Um Now, you know, since all eyes now will be on what Matt Reeves does next, let's talk about that a little bit, a little Batman bochincha here. So, you know, it's funny. In the last couple weeks, I keep hearing these little crumbs. So I'll see, like, headlines about Ben Affleck confirms he'll be back for the Batman. And last week I made a big deal out of the fact that, like, when Matt Reeves was asked about it, his answer was so, like, weird. He just said... For now, that's the plan. Like, instead of just saying, yes, he's definitely going to be in it. Then I've also heard stuff where, like, apparently our our boy Jet over there at Batman on film has been kind of putting out the the impression that (laughs) Affleck might not do the Batman. And I keep thinking, like, this is a foregone conclusion. Of course he's going to do it. Like, for me, I keep thinking it's a sure thing, but now the more I dig into it, I'm starting to hear little whispers that it might not be a sure thing. Uh, Are you hearing the same thing?
1: I mean, speaking of Jed, I spoke to him a while back. And when I heard the same thing, you know, like, don't be surprised if he isn't.
0: Like, the that's Batman That's easy for me, e- even with all of my DCEU cynicism, and even with the stuff that I reported earlier this year for the Voldemort site about how he's going to drop out as a director and how sort of disenfranchised he is. Even, even with all that stuff that I've been chronicling for a very long time, I never thought that he would actually bail on the Batman. And it's shocking to me that I've been hearing little whispers, not just from Jet, from other people. <laughs> That apparently, like, he's come very close to flying the coop or flying the bat cave, as it were. Uh, and I just, I can't believe that. Um, just what does your gut tell you? Is he is he going to stick around for this or not?
1: My gut, I, I mean, I'm hoping yep. that he does. You know, yeah. I really, I, I'm, I hope that he does stay, but I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves, put it that way. See, you for know, me, I'm, the big I question really
0: becomes... Hope- like if they can get this goddamn movie into production soon, I think he'll be in it. If this thing continues to sort of like you know take its sweet time to get to the to get to the screens, I th- I feel like the longer it takes for them to film the damn thing, the less likely it is that he'll be back for it. That like that's the sense I'm getting. Like, I feel like there's a ticking clock.
1: You know, like he. And the, he and the only he reason needs,
0: I say that. Yeah.
1: No, no. I'm so saying the only reason I say that he stays is because, and I've said this before. It'll look weird, you know. He's in the fucking Justice League, Batman yeah. versus Superman, and now all of a sudden he's not in this shit anymore. Coming at yeah. seriously? Yeah, you know. So
0: I, I I'm just ho- feel I, like ho- they have to figure this out and figure it out very, very soon. And the issue is, you know, Reeves is now a made man in Hollywood. Yeah, you know, Reeves is you know now that he with this war for the Planet of the Apes and the way it's looking like it's going to do, he's become like he's quietly become one of the big filmmakers in Hollywood. Uh, so it, it, I bring that up because he's not going to be he's not going to want to rush. He's going to want to make this movie the way he wants to make it. He's not under a gun, and Warner Brothers would be crazy to rush him. So as we know, now that he's finally finished with Apes and he can start turning his attention full time to Batman. You know, who knows how long it's going to take him to develop the script and get the film that he wants to get made into production. It, it might be a year from now. We don't know how long it's going to take. And he's does under, ben Affle-
1: and is that why you think Ben Affleck is doing the sequel to The Accountant? So he can be
0: yeah, busy? I don't, see, I don't know. I don't know. I really, I just, I just get the sense that the longer that the pre-production on this movie happens, the less likely he is to return, um, and that's well, that. But that gives
1: him time to do the sequel for the accountant, don't you yeah, think? Yeah,
0: which again, I, yeah, it gives him time to do it. I can't believe he's doing that. By the way, that's a separate thing. I thought that movie was so like, it was a moderate. Don't don't hate, don't hate, I'm my not man, don't hate. Me. But it was aight, it was aight, it was, a-ight. It was nothing special. <laughs> to me, it just I, Affleck's decisions continue to baffle me. Here is a guy who works so hard. To become a made man in Hollywood again. And he's pissing it all away already. I, just...
1: look, I mean, I get it. He's pissing it all up. But he had demons with the bottle, dude. You know what I mean? I know, like, I know. He had demons with the bottle and stuff like that. And, and, you know, like I like again, like I said, I my gut feeling says yeah, he would stay. But I wouldn't be surprised that he would leave. And it would look stupid in yep. Warner Brothers, part that he leaves, and you have another actor, you know, with the guys around him. Like let's say, you know, they do another Justice League movie. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you know, we got we have a new guy, That's and everybody I, else is yeah.
0: That's why I think it's in their best interest, and I think it is their sort of plan A, to make it so that it, there's a storyline reason to write out Bruce Wayne, that they're they're gonna do a passing of the cowl thing. I don't think they're gonna hire a new Bruce Wayne. That's just the feeling I'm getting. Uh, The other option is the Reeves film is a prequel and it takes place 20 years ago. And it tells the story of how he first became a cape Crusader or maybe how he lost Robin at some point or whatever the fuck. And then you can hire a younger guy and then maybe after a trilogy of those films... Or a couple of those, you could have whoever plays him in those play him in Justice League 2. And that, you know, that could be a way to go about it. But I I just, I definitely, while we're talking about Affleck's involvement, I don't see him doing a Batman trilogy. That's for damn sure. And everyone's been talking about how Reeves may want to make three Batman movies um, yeah, he, he
1: has ideas for a, a trilogy arc. Yeah,
0: like that's the thing. With like, That's where I'm like, okay, well, then they're definitely going to have to write his ass out because I don't see Ben Affleck doing three. If I can hardly see him doing one, uh, I definitely don't see him doing three and another Justice League. So I have a feeling that they're going to do a thing in the first movie where they either do a prequel with it so they can have an, a younger actor and that's how they sort of organically introduce a new Bruce Wayne, Or they introduce it where it's present day and they have him hand down the cowl and he kind of gets to be the elder statesman Bruce Wayne who pops up as a mentor in future movies and in future Justice League movies. So I I, I don't know which one they're going to do, plan A, plan B. I don't know what they consider plan A or plan B, but I think it's going to be one of those. I really do. And either way I'm just shocked to keep hearing that he might not do it because for me it was a lock. I thought it was certain that he would be doing Batman. But all this shit I'm starting to hear now, you know, now it's no longer going to shock me if we hear that, you know, he's uh he's not going to be sticking around. Um, and, and
1: and when I heard and when I heard that story about Ben might not be coming back for the solo Batman film? Yeah was during that whole shithole of Justice League, you know, yeah. the, the whole, you know, their production health, <laughs> production hell. back. I think when was it like last year or a year and a half two years ago when, when hit fix back then announced that, you know, Snyder was it fired. Was, yeah, and,
0: it, it was March of 16. It's been about a year and a half. Yeah
1: a year and a half where he was fired and that Ben Affleck was really the one that was directing the film. Blah, 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 and then what happened? Everybody went to London. Blah, 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 and long story, I think it happened around there where he where was he like... just
0: kind of got burnt out and didn't want to do it anymore. Burnt
1: out. and Yeah, he didn't want to do it. But then, you know, now that you have Josh Whedon doing stuff, you know...
0: And by knows, the way, you know, and and that's Matt, why I mentioned... Matt
1: Reeves, I think Matt Reeves also went on, on an interview and said that he is going to be Batman and you know no, the whole thing, did,
0: but, re- he, but he said for now. He like for now. yeah, that's it, the idea. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's amazing to me. Like that, that. That's why everyone who talks about this movie keeps hedging their bets. He said for now. Everyone seems very hesitant to say that it's for sure. You know. Um, And before we move off this, because I feel like we talk about this shit a lot. But before yeah, we yeah. move off this, you know, I feel like as part of his burnout with Warner Brothers. And part of the reason why they, I feel they need to get this done sooner rather than later Is I really do think this whole thing has taken more out of his life than he expected You know, everything has been, you know uh, it, the whole process has dragged on. You know, Batman v. Superman was delayed. Justice League got moved around. Justice League 2 is now off the cards. The Batman script is now who knows when that's going to happen. Like, I think he thought he could do these movies over the course of about three years, get in, make his Batman money, raise his Hollywood profile, and then get the fuck out.
1: And or Or, or you know, he probably found out, like what you were saying now, do all this stuff, but then at the end found out, you know, there's a lot of pressure.
0: There's a lot of pressure and the fans are all climbing on him because the yeah. movie didn't do that well and the industry now looks at these movies kind of, you know, kind of crooked. It doesn't have that 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 Marvel sort of good vibe around it. The DC movies kind of have a big, like, what the hell are they doing over there sort of vibe. So I, I feel yeah. like th- you know, this whole experience was not what he bargained for. And I've also heard stuff about how, like, he He's mad at how much this has taken out of him because he feels like Live By Night suffered because of it. You know, the his DC I mean, commitments sh- were so long and so arduous that he couldn't <laughs> give Live By Night everything that he had wanted to. And that's why Live By Night turned out, you know, which was a passion project for him. It didn't turn out the way he had wanted it to because he kept on having to build his life around these fucking DC movies and I think that's why he's kind of just over it
1: you know I remember, I remember when he was at the red carpet or something like for some I think it was Live by Night and they kept asking him about Batman and they kept asking
0: him he went
1: fucking nuts yeah he was like what do you, what's everything about Batman dude because it's about fucking Batman.
0: You understand? <laughs> it's I'm like,
1: Batman. you know what you're getting into. You have to answer this fucking shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But by night, I'm sorry, dude. That movie was caca, and I said that shit yeah. on Twitter. It was shit.
0: But but it I wasn't think that, his a interpretation of that. But but like I think the way he explains that is. I couldn't give that movie my all cuz these fucking DC guys kept calling me back for more work on this and my schedule was all over the goddamn place because of my DC commitments. Like you know like I I get the sense that's sort of his like his explanation like or the way it. he looks at it that he feels like the DC movies robbed him of being able to make live by night as good as it could have been. You know?
1: No, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So But that's that's
1: the shit, you know, that's the shit that you get in when you get involved in these, whether it be Marvel or DC. And that's where I'm like,
0: who is advising this guy? You know what I mean? Like they should have warned him. Like, dude, if you're signing on to be Batman at a time where DC is trying to launch an extended universe that rivals Marvel's, you are going to be busy for a long time and everything else is going to have to go on the back burner. You know, like, I don't know how he didn't realize what a dent in his life this was going to put. And then, of course, you factor in the stuff that he couldn't have seen coming, you know, the divorce and the falling off the wagon and all the personal stuff. Like, I feel like it's a perfect storm right now that has sort of accumulated that's going to make him go, I just can't see myself putting on a rubber cowl again. I want to get the fuck out of this already, <laughs> you know? No, and, um, and
1: I hope, he, like I said, I hope he stayed because, yeah, you know what, too. Matt, was just- Matt Reeves, you know, after seeing both apes that he's done, yeah. you know, the the studio shouldn't pressure him for anything. He's already proven himself, yeah, you know what I mean? with these two apes. And they should just trust him and his vision for this Batman. Now the question belongs, you know, how he would, you know, tie this Batman with the DCU. Like, you know, like how would it yeah. tie in? How would it, you know... At the ending of this movie, what what does it lead up to? Does it lead up to, you know, Justice League 2? Does it lead up to, like, the Marvel films, you know, each solo film leads up to another one. Yeah. yeah. You know? Merci.
0: listen I I think it would be in everyone's best interest for him to stick around I think him the I think the the pairing of him and Reeves with Reeves being as hot as he is right now and, and sort of in the zone that he's in I think they can make an amazing Batman film especially with those reports last week of more of like a detective noir sort of thing yes, like yes. I think that could be a Batman film for the ages you know a film that feels almost like Batman the animated series but in live action with Ben Affleck bringing that gravity that he has and bringing all his A-game to it. He can make a Batman movie that makes my fucking head fall off. So I hope he sticks around. I think it's in everyone's best interest that he sticks around. But like they have to figure out the plan and get this shit ironed out. Because right now I feel like the clock is ticking and he's got a foot out the door. So they got to figure this shit out and soon. Um, Now
1: let me ask you something before you get off the subject and
0: answer
1: quick. If he leaves, yeah, what, what do you think will happen?
0: I really think uh, it's one. I think, I think it's EU, one of those two options. I think you know. I, I don't think he would leave them high and it high. hurt or not. Would it hurt?
1: Yeah, would it hurt the DC EU? I'm saying.
0: I think. I mean, yeah, it always hurts to lose a star of that caliber. But I, I think it. It's. It all comes down to how they do it. You know, if they do it so that like he agrees to come on in a cameo as old man Wayne from time to time. Then I think it minimizes the damage. If they just recast him and act like nothing has happened, and here's just a new 47 year old Bruce Wayne, then I think it does hurt it because it makes it seem like, wow, this guy just fucking abandoned ship mid-franchise. You know, he just you know. So I feel like that would hurt the DCEU. But if they handle his exit the right way, if they handle it where like they transition someone else into the cowl. Or they go back and, they, and the prequel takes place twenty years ago, and they could hire a twenty-something to play a younger Bruce Wayne. Then I think that's a good way. You know, that would minimize the damage. That's just how I feel about it. Um, okay. And you know, I could talk about this shit forever, but yeah, I don't. I know. You know, <laughs> we, we, we can uh, we can kind of call it there. Just so the last thing before I send you back off to do all of your uh, apex scoop hunting is I know you've been uh, you, you've been on the you've been on the hunt for Hellboy stuff lately. So you recently unearthed that it looks like Lionsgate is going to be the one who releases the films, right? The reboot? Uh
1: yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. And I mean, you also have some something... Go ahead. No, no, I'm saying over the weekend uh, uh, actually a week ago before everyone was going on their 4th of July vacation. Yeah. I had I had yeah. Like uh, the source told me, I'm not going to tell you what studio is in negotiations, but here's a clue. Do your homework. Yeah. And then call up the studio once you find out who it is. So I found out who it was, the studio. I called up this. And you know me, when I was in that Lord Voldemort site. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I never fucking call studios because how many times do a studio
0: Yeah, they lie right in your fucking you? face. Yeah.
1: They'll lie to you and say, not lie to you, but say, you know, we can't comment on, on rumors, we can't comment on this. And they'll always say no to you unless you're so sort of, you know, uh trade, you know, yeah. or whatnot. So I say, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just see what happens in Playboy. I've never spoken to corporate communications over a Lionsgate, blah, blah. So I called them up and uh actually, I emailed them too um and and we were going back and forth and like what kind of story it was and stuff like that, so they pretty much like I was the first one to actually tell them what was going on, I mean find out what was going on, so they pretty much confirmed it to me and stuff like that, and then that's when you know all the trades confirmed yeah. what I had said that they were in advanced negotiations and stuff like that
0: and so but uh, the, the, so yeah, so but what sounds- I can
1: tell you about Hellboy, uh, yes. This is what I'm trying to get to. (laughs) Okay. So I'm trying to find out who is going to play Liz Sherman, which is, you know, part of the team. She was played by
0: Selma Blair in the Ron Perlman Hellboy movies, the Guillermo del Toro movies.
1: Yeah. So, you know, from what I understand is that her character is not sort of like the love interest to Hellboy like in the previous Guillermo del Toro Yeah, that's film. a
0: departure. That's a cinematic departure from the lore. Yeah, so true. she's not going to be the love interest in this one. Yeah, she she won't be the love interest in this one at all. And you're trying yeah. to find out who's going to play her. So that's what that's sort of what yes. you're working on now?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, that and some other stuff, you know. Like going and something like you and I were talking about off the, you know, off the yeah. about Batman. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to find out some stuff about the Batman.
0: Yeah, you are. All right, good. Well, God damn it. That, I, I, I thought I was going to have you on for like 15 minutes, but it always becomes such a good conversation when I have you on, Mr. Chavez. Before I send you it. off, I want to bounce one more thing off you. Uh, sure. I just want to know how you feel. I know how I feel about it. Um, you know, uh, Sam, Samuel L. Jackson will be Nick Fury in Captain Marvel. Like, how does this news strike you? Do you care? Does it do anything for you for your interest for Captain Marvel? I feel like this was a big story these last few days. Everyone's talking about Nick Fury coming to Captain Marvel, and I know how well, I feel about it. Big, but how do you he, feel about he, it? I feel like uh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I you know, feel too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who
1: cares? I mean, I mean, look, a lot of these fans were asking because he hasn't been on the last couple of
0: yeah uh, Marvel. He's, he's right? taken the back seat. Yeah, like in, in Winter Soldier, they practically wrote him out, and then he had that little bit in Ultron. Um, yeah and
1: that's in i mean like it's
0: i just cool. think it's funny yeah it's it's i i just think it's funny it's
1: like, like a, it's like a certain character that pops up in the movie that we were talking about like oh okay cool
0: yeah like you know? i just think it's funny i don't know say which
1: character for homecoming yeah. but you would be like oh okay
0: cool i just think you like know? it's such a 180 from what nick fury used to mean to fans remember like in phase one it was amazing to have nick fury <laughs> <Yeah>. pop up <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, shit, Nick Fury, Sam Jackson's in there. Oh, and, and he looked like the ultimate version of Nick Fury because they, they had based it on Samuel L. Jackson. Like, there was so much buzz around that character. He was such an important part of the DNA of that franchise. And now, fast forward nine years later, they announced that he's going to be in Captain Marvel, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah,
1: it was you funny because we were, I was talking to Mike, who writes for the site as well. It was like, I told Mike, yo, dude, you want to post it? Eh, it's not news.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like to me, it feels like news. To
1: me, it was. I mean, it is news because, you know, he's coming back. Not that we care, but the news is that he is coming back.
0: But also, see, like on a larger scale, it makes me think about Captain Marvel and the uphill battle that movie has in terms of getting people to give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, now that Wonder Woman's out, everyone's going to rush out to see the next female superhero movie. I'm like, I don't know, man. Captain Marvel means nothing to me. And I feel like this is an area where I'm not alone. I feel like a lot of, you know, most casual moviegoers don't know anything about Captain Marvel. And if you tell them that a movie's coming, they're like, "Okay, I guess that's fine. You know like Marvel's going to have a real uphill battle here trying to get people all gassed up for this movie and I feel like maybe bringing Nick Fury was an attempt by them to do that. They're like, "All right, well, yeah, you know, he's one of our legacy characters. You know, Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury was there as we launched the franchise and so maybe it'll be nice to have him there and he could bring some eyeballs to Captain Marvel. But like I don't know. They're going to have to really work hard to sell me on this movie and sell me on this character and get me to want to see it. Um, Yeah,
1: I agree with you on the whole Captain Marvel thing. I mean, I never read any other comic books. I really don't know shit about it. Yeah. But but I think the challenge that Marvel has is now, if I'm like Kevin Feige or, or an executive, I sit down with people and I say, okay, how now do we do this film that can... Top Wonder Woman in this case.
0: Yeah, and I, you know? and I don't think there's any chance in hell. And it's you funny I mean? that you say
1: that. It's funny that you say that because when we interviewed, and this is a while back, and the only reason I said it, because it could be done, Yeah, um, is Batman Begins. Mm. And then The Dark Knight came out. When we spoke, when I sat down, with, I was literally next to Chris Nolan, and I asked him, you know, was there a challenge – for him to do the sequel, blah, blah, blah. And he said the only reason he would do the sequel was, can we top the previous film that he did? And yeah. obviously with a Dark Knight, he did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So
1: I think that it can be done with Captain Marvel if they do it right. If the story is right and everything, the beats, this, that, everything so is correct. So you think
0: Captain Marvel could top Wonder Woman?
1: No, no, I'm not saying that it can top. I'm saying that it's not impossible all they have to do See, is... See, you know, I,
0: I, I got to disagree. I think it is absolutely impossible because Wonder Woman has something that Captain Marvel will never, ever have. And that's household cred, where people grew up knowing Wonder Woman, loving Wonder no, Woman, having yes, Wonder Woman pajamas. Yes, I agree with you on that. Having, you know, like she, she's, she's like fucking Mickey Mouse. She's one of these characters. Yes, people grew up with around Wonder she, Woman. No one knows shit about Captain Marvel. <laughs> so that's why i, I and no. listen i'm not tr- trying to, i'm not trying to throw shade yeah i wish them well but that movie is gonna it, I, I there's just i don't think it can touch wonder woman i really don't
1: no no i agree with you on that whole thing that you know she's not as iconic as wonder woman yeah totally agree with like that. Yeah. that i i get it and i agree with you that that's why probably people were like who the fuck is captain marvel yeah you know it sounds like a male name, Captain Marvel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Shazam's name is Captain Marvel in D.C., which is funny, by the way.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. um, Yeah, I just. Uh, no, I, I again, that's the
1: it. only way I can see them trying to top a movie like Wonder Woman is they got to get this shit right. You know, you gotta they got to come correct.
0: And just based on the people they've announced who are directing and whatever, like I, I, I just can't see myself carrying that much. I, well, listen, we'll see.
1: We'll see. Hey, I said the same thing about John Watts. I'm like, really? This guy? And
0: I mean, that? Why, well, that's why, the why thing. Why you why weren't, he... weren't here for this part of it, but I don't think he was all that special as a director. I feel like he didn't really bring – I feel like anyone could have shot Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, like, th- there was nothing oh, in you. there that felt like – I could see the director's vision. I could see what he's trying to do here. I feel like they they could have got any Joe Schmo to film this movie and it would have been practically the same. So I'm not a big John Watts guy, so I don't care if he comes back for a sequel. And I don't think he did anything special for Spider-Man Homecoming. But that's just me. I'm just a cynical fuck. Oh, um, well, by the way, <laughs> dude, I want to circle back to something that we used to speak about on the other podcast. You used to tell me I have to check out The Exorcist, the Fox TV series. Yes. I finally started it last night.
1: <laughs> and, dude, it, the,
0: you, I'm in. I am in. I saw you. Yeah, I of you last you? night. Yeah, when we came home from, from seeing Spider-Man Homecoming, my wife, you know, she, she wanted us to get Hulu uh, we, we started a free trial because she really wants to check out The Handmaid's Tale, which you know, we saw the pilot of, and I'm, I'm intrigued. But we saw that The Exorcist was on there, and I'm like, yo, Kelvin said that I need to see this show. Now I can finally see it. So we watched the first two episodes of Exorcist last night, and man, good recommendation. Dude,
1: wait, wait until you find out the fucking twist. Uh, You're don't, like, don't, oh!
0: Don't, oh, don't hey, spoil hey. anything. you would be like, oh, holy shit! Don't spoil
1: anything. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm just telling you, when you see the twist, you're like, holy fuck, they did this shit so good. And that I wasn't surprised when they said they're going to do a second season. Yeah, it's coming
0: back later this year, which is one of the reasons why I'm giving it a shot. You know me. I've been burnt too many times on TV where a show I'm into gets canceled. So since I know this is coming back, that's why I'm like, okay, fine. I'll fucking check out the first season. Um, oh, and there's another recommendation from you sure. that I finally have been taking. I am utterly fucking obsessed with Narcos. I finally mm. started Narcos <laughs> last week, and I've already I'm already into season two, and it's like I think about it all the time. <laughs> I wake up thinking no, about it's... it. I go to bed thinking about it. That show so is so fucking good. I'm like, like, I, I I don't want it to ever end, but I know it has to because it's based on real shit. And don't spoil it yeah, yeah. for me, because I I already sort of know what happens no, no. towards the end of season two. But I'm like three episodes into the second season. Dude, I just it is so well made that I almost can't believe it's not more of a mainstream hit. And a part of me thinks it's because of the fact that so much of it is in Spanish. Which again, which yeah, is yeah. fine. You know, which you know, I understand why like that could be the, that could be an issue for a lot of outsiders. The fact that you have to read a lot of subtitles, and that's not something that like mainstream audiences are really kind of into or used to. And if you think about it, like when when you finish an episode of Narcos and you think back on it, you're like, wow, like f- you know, thirty five out One of those, those forty five minutes were guys in Spanish talking. So I'm yeah, sure that's yeah. one of the reasons why it hasn't crossed over, but in terms of just quality, I think it's some of the best TV that's that, that you'll find anywhere. Yeah, uh, I love and, that show. Dude. Yeah,
1: I, I love that show. My wife and I saw both of them. Um, the only thing that she didn't like was the guy who plays Pablo Escobar because he wasn't your Colombiano, you know, your typical Colombian. You uh, know, because
0: yeah, I don't care, dude. He's got such a presence.
1: No. No, no, and then in the second season, she said, okay, you know what? He stepped up his game. in uh, the second season. And and we and we loved it because I mean, look, I don't know what I should say but we we grew up in that era.
0: Yeah, You know? Yeah. I, my I, wife I, and I you're especially old, we all know.
1: My my wife and I grew up <laughs> in that era. No, and But you they, just ignore it, con- I just called they, your connect. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm all I'm all go fuck. Um we grew up in that era and my Side of the my wife's side of the family is sort of connected to that family, get the Gaviria the family. You know the Gaviria family. You know how he said Pablo Escobar yeah, Gaviria. Yeah. Well, my sister-in-law married some guy named okay, Gaviria.
0: I, dude, I, I'm gonna hang up with you. I don't want to have any fucking <laughs> cartel people showing <laughs> so up my door now. And
1: there's a lot of stuff on, on season one that you say, "Oh shit, I remember that. I remember the, the Avianca airline. Dude, I remember this. I wow. remember." It's a lot of shit that brought back so much memory. I'm like, and that's wow. The part
0: that for me feels so good. Like that shit is legit. Like okay, I never yeah. like I went to Colombia and I was like three or four years old, but I I was in Colombia in like 1986 or 87, and I lived in El Salvador for a, for a little while too for like a yeah. year. And like the way they capture that period and that part of the world. It feels so fucking real. It feel like yeah, it takes yeah. me back to being like four years old there in El Salvador when they were having their civil war and seeing the soldiers the, with the machine guns in the street. And like, like it, it, like it really. They nail it. They nail the aesthetic. They nail the music. They nail the fashion. They nail the hairstyles. Like you rarely see a, a period piece that. On TV with a TV production budget that feels as authentic as Narcos does. And all the performance, I mean, I love Pedro Pascal. I've always loved Pedro Pascal, and he's the one who plays Javier Benya. He's great in everything. And especially after Logan, I love this Boyd Holbrook guy. He's really like, I hope he becomes a big star because he's great in this. He was phenomenal in Logan. I thought he was a scene stealer in Logan. Um, well, let's see how
1: he's in Predator.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's like. I, I hope he continues his ascent. I feel like I'm watching him ascend in like the the wrong order. Most people met him in Narcos. I met him in Logan, and now I'm going back to how people first met him. But, dude. Anyway, if you're listening to this, guys, Narcos. If you can get over the language hump, and get used to the fact that you're going to be reading a lot of subtitles. Narcos is some of the best fucking crime thriller TV that you'll ever see. And oh, and they do this thing that I find so sort of revolutionary and unique where they blend the 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 movie, the the, the series footage with actual archival news footage, like in and out. Yes. That's yes, so yes. cool because it really makes the whole yeah. thing feel so like ripped from the headlines where it really feels like yeah, that's what, you're and, and seeing. And that's what's
1: awesome about it. I'm like, wow, they they literally put some of the stuff that was on the news, yeah. you know. About the airplane, yeah, like so, up. So,
0: so like you'll see a scene, right? That's with the actors in the show. Then it you know, then, like as that person leaves the door, it cuts to news footage of what happens. and then they have a scene afterward that shows you what happened after the news footage happened. Like they will wrap up these seminal moments in the history of this story. With great dramatizations of what happened, and they'll use real news footage to make you feel like you were there. It's just so good. I, I'm 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 like in love with narcos and I'm gonna be very upset when I'm done with season two. Cause I'm just like, when the fuck do I get to see season three? I don't know if they've announced. And I can't wait for yet. season
1: three because that's something that's gonna be interesting to me, because I really don't know anything. I mean, I've heard of them, yeah. but I've never really um
0: Don't spoil it for no, me,
1: no no no. The whole um yeah. Medellin cartel obviously was Pablo Escobar, yeah. but then the other one, the other cartel, um, the what was the other name of the cartel? Cali, the Cali cartel. It was all political. Yeah. So yeah. that's where they're going at now in the third season, the Cali cartel.
0: Have they so announced let's when see. that's I, coming out yet?
1: Season yeah, three? I mean, not when it's coming out, but th- it is coming out. There is a, like, yeah, I, I know. That, like a uh, t- I,
0: t- I remember reading there was like they, they greenlit seasons three and four. So. I better get my full seasons three and four. I know Netflix has been doing some wacky shit lately where they've been canceling stuff that had been initially announced. Like Sense8 got... I I don't watch that show, by the way, but I heard that Sense8 got canceled even though they had already said it was coming back. So I hope they don't get cold feet about Narcos. I better get more of my fucking Narcos. But, um, okay, so I just wanted to let you know that I started The Exorcist. Well, you better
1: hurry up because Narcos 3 arrives... I believe in August or September of really?
0: this year. Oh, dude, you yeah. just made my day. All right, good. So everyone who's and listening. They're gonna
1: focus, and they're going to focus on the Cali Cartel, like I said.
0: Yes. Okay. Everyone who's listening, listen to Kelvin's suggestions. Sometimes it takes me a while to take suggestions. But I finally I got you this. to Narcos. So now
1: that Narcos.
0: Now that you're seeing Narcos,
1: Narcos, I told yeah. you this too. And a lot of people agreed at the end. Like, oh, shit, this guy was Right. There's another show when you get a chance to see it, Which it's one? not as, uh, as like Narcos in the sense of, you know, getting footage out of it, but it made me go back to the computer and look at it and say, ah, this didn't fucking happen. And <laughs> I look at it and say, oh shit, it happened. Is The Queen, The Crown.
0: Oh yeah? See, the I don't know if is, I can get as invested in that one because it's not dude, as close to it, home.
1: That's what, I, oh, dude, that's what I said. The Crown. <laughs> and when I saw it, I was like, wow. And I yeah. went into the fucking Google and I saw that this didn't happen. And I went, oh shit, this didn't happen. Oh, it was just so interesting. And I told my wife, this is going to win some sort of award. And it did. <laughs> she won an award. The, the story, the, the, the show got an award. I think the Golden Globes, they both award and the actress. Yeah. It's a very, very. Good fucking show. All right, so I, guess I,
0: I I'll follow the Narcos and Exorcist thing. I'll check out the Queen in like a year and a half and tell you how right you were. But I don't yeah, think I'm there me. yet.
1: Back to me on the Exorcist when you get the twist. Oh, okay. my God. you know.
0: Okay. One last thing about TV. I mean, Game of Thrones is right around the corner. How are you feeling about season seven? Are you going to be – are you all in?
1: I'm all in with Vaseline and everything. Toma.
0: Dude, yeah. I, I I finally watched the trailer, believe it or not. I know it's been out for like a month already. It came out on like May 24th or whatever, but I finally saw the official trailer for season seven. And oh my God, I'm so excited that the show comes back next week, next Sunday. Bring How it many episodes on. is this year? It's only going to be like seven, seven or eight oh, okay. max. And then the final one is like seven also. Yeah, they, they, they only have 15 episodes total to put out, so they're going to split that up between two seasons. <laughs> one will be seven, one will be eight. One thing that they said, though, is like, they, this time like they're not scared to do what they did last year again, where like you might have some extended episodes where there's like an hour oh, and, and a half or a two-hour oh, hour long a one. So hopefully they do that because I'm dying for more Game of Thrones, and it kills me that we've only got 15 left, man. Um, but all right, papo. I uh, thank you so much for spending the last hour and change with me here. Uh, this became much more than I thought it was going to be. I think uh, this was kind of like, the, we're like the OG Los Fanboys here. and We just we, we, we just held it down. We just that's did like, right, a whole man, you know, show together, son of a bitch. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, all right. So listen, You're I want to have you on next week. I, I'm going to also extend an invite to one other person who shall remain unnamed for now to join for a spoiler discussion on Spider-Man Homecoming. But thank you for so much for coming on, hermano, and uh, we'll talk next week.
1: Okay, my man. Have a good one.
0: See ya. All right, so that went a little longer than I expected. I got a little more uh, than I bargained for there from Mr. Chavez, which, by the way, uh, guys, if you don't know, he's the founder of Latino Review, and he's the editor-in-chief of the SplashReport.com, so he's been dropping some hot scoops over there lately, so definitely check out the SplashReport.com. Uh, so now before I let you guys go, a couple more orders of business. I have a uh, an El Fanboy question here to answer. Uh, Mr. Verola has been very patient. Uh, He asked me a a week ago and I was supposed to answer it and I kind of just forgot. Um, So basically, you know, he knows I'm lukewarm on this Han Solo movie and he wanted to know what what's a Star Wars story that I would like to see. What is a Star Wars tale that would get me to the theater and actually get me excited from its inception, unlike the Han Solo movie, which has had me rolling my eyes since its inception? Uh, Well, it's hard to say because what I want is going to sound funny. What I want has already sort of been done, just not well. Uh, and I don't mean in terms of specific storyline. I mean in terms of the, the, the thematic story arc that I'm thinking of. So first of all, in terms of an era, it would be uncharted territory cinematically. I want a film or a trilogy that is set during the Old Republic, that takes us back way before anything we've ever seen, um, to the first Order of Jedi, so it takes us back to where there's, you know, the, 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 there can be no overlap between characters. You know, it, the 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 only chance of seeing someone that we know is maybe in the third movie of this trilogy, we would meet Yoda for a couple of seconds as a little Easter egg since, you know, these Star Wars movies love to uh, tug at the nostalgic heartstrings. But I want something that basically goes back, so you know, like a whole other era prior to anything we've seen. There are no Skywalkers. There are no Kenobis fuck all that. I want the old Republic. Uh, I want something that feels almost like uh, a cross between like a samurai or a Western that shows how, like how things came to be. And I would love to essentially follow the story of the first Sith. I would love to see the first person to discover that you can be evil. You know, the the first person to discover that with these force powers can be turned on their heads and actually become more powerful if you use them for devious means instead of heroic means— and it's funny, like technically we already saw a guy fall from grace. You know, we saw in the in the prequel uh, trilogy we already saw Anakin sort of cover that sort of arc, where he starts as a good guy and ends as a bad guy. But to me, it's not quite the same because they they tried to make him very sympathetic uh, when he you know, when he becomes the bad guy in Revenge of the Sith. He's not really a, a villain. And so for me, I would love to follow a story. It takes place in the Old Republic and almost feels almost like Breaking Bad, where you see Walter White one way at the start of the first movie. And by the end of his arc, he's a fucking bad guy. You know, of course, in Breaking Bad, he does it ultimately sort of redeem himself. But for a while there, you know, his Heisenberg thing, he becomes like a legit villain, And I would kind of like that. I I would love to see a trilogy that follows the first Sith, the first guy to be seduced by the dark side. What are the origins of the dark side? How does he stumble upon what it could mean to turn these Force powers into something evil? Or Or maybe evil predates the Jedi. Maybe the Sith predates the Jedi, and he discovers this, and what is the source of that? So I would love to follow a story of the first Sith that takes place during the Knights of the Old Republic era. I don't know if there's been a book that is already sort of, you know, I, I don't do any of that extended universe stuff. I've never read any of the uh, graphic novels said about Star Wars. I don't know anything about all I know about is about the movies. So if this is something that you've heard already, I'm sorry if it's repetitious, but that's what I would like to see. A movie that takes place much before anything we've seen so far, that follows the first time someone has that fall, and have a character that's written really well and performed really well, that starts off one way and ends a com- like you in, in an unrecognizable fashion. Uh, now, as I'm saying it now, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to. That would tie it into the original trilogy and stuff that we've already seen. I don't want to do that. So hopefully that answers your question. Uh, I also want to take some time to... Uh, re- re- I got two more reviews. So I always promise you guys I'll read your reviews on the air, and if you have not yet taken the time to write a review, please do so. They mean so, so much to me, and they help the show grow, and that's what I want. I want this puppy to grow. Um, so we got two. We got two. One is uh, it's called Love to Disagree with MFR, and this comes from uh, iTunes user EJS1275. Uh, He wrote, by the way, I love his preface. He goes, this is my second attempt at a review. Apple may have blocked the first one for profanity. Oops. I love my fucking listeners. Okay. He wrote, I was bummed when the other podcast MFR was on, came back from from hiatus, sans the man himself. (laughs) He and Kelvin helped make that show great, and it sorely misses him. I tried the new version and find it unlistenable. One new host in particular is Podcast Cancer. Jesus Christ. I found out late in the game that MFR never left the scene and started El Fanboy, so now I'm zipping through the shows I missed. Mario is a great host, easy to listen to, and has an unmistakable passion for genre movies. That being said, I disagree with him about 90% of the time. Especially when it comes to the DCEU version of Superman, I find that Snyder's interpretation of Supes is every bit as heroic, inspirational, and aspirational as any other. One only needs to pay attention. There is no there is more to Superman than the Donner movies and the big blue boy scout. I will debate this till I drop, but I digress. Disagreeing is okay. Living in an echo chamber is boring, and I would much rather spend my commute being challenged on my ideals than just going through the motions. At any rate, congratulations on the show and keep up the great work. Uh, EJS, <laughs> I uh, listen. I will fight you about this Superman, but you know I really appreciate that you you, know, you don't listen to me just to be validated for your own opinions or just because you want to mindlessly nod your head to what I'm saying. I like that you could still listen to me, disagree with me, but get something out of this because you know, that, that's what I hope for. I, I want to create conversations. I don't want to just you know uh, like you said have an echo chamber. So the fact that you could still enjoy the show, despite the fact that you disagree with me 90% of the time, that means a lot. Uh, So thanks for sticking through with me, even though you don't see eye to eye with me. Um, Then there's... Oh, and by the way, you know what? I do have to say, though. (laughs) I know that there's more to Superman than the Donner movies. I know there's more to Superman than the big blue Boy Scout. I was ready for something new and exciting and different when I saw Man of Steel. I always make that point known. I I, I I was ready for something new. There's lots of other versions of Superman that I've been big on. That I, I, I'm not saying that everyone has to be Reeve. I just think they have to be fucking good. Anyway, um, all right. Listener Francisco 18 wrote "sasong" and Lots of Heart. Also five stars, by the way. He wrote, I've been a fan of Mario and his podcasts for a long time, and while at first I was kind of sad not listening to your former co-hosts, I'm glad that you're still doing excellent work when it comes to movies, TV shows, and everything related to entertainment. The birthday episode was wonderful, and it was great listening to Kelvin again, even more now that the former podcast you were on doesn't really connect with me. I want flavor, sasong, bochinche, yo quiero mi arroz. Hope you keep up the good work. Well, Francisco, it sounds like you chose a brilliant time to write that review, considering this week I had Kelvin on again, and there was a lot of bochinche, a lot of sazón, a lot of pasión, and a little bit of Spanglish there for you. Um... By the way, I've, I've, I've toyed a bunch of times where when, when I get the Patreon page going, I may make a perk of like, I may do once a month, like an all Spanish version of the podcast and just to see how that goes. Um, but anyway, I digress. If you've taken the time to review, thank you so very much. I know Mr. Sean Coulter recently finished listening to all of the El Fanboy podcasts. He tweeted at me at, uh, at El Fanboy Podcast on Twitter that he was all caught up and he was waiting for today. So, Mr. Coulter, since you have caught up, maybe it's not time for you to write a review. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyone else who's listening and you haven't written a review yet, every little bit of feedback helps, all right? It really motivates me and, and fuels me to keep going on with this thing. Um, But all right, that's it. Uh, Stay tuned. I'll be back next week. We're going to have a spoiler discussion on Spider Man Homecoming. And we're going to talk about the week's news. We're going to look at how Spider Man Homecoming ended up doing once and for all for its opening weekend box office. I should have not one, but two people on to have this conversation with me. So until then, adios.